1: You know how some carriers give you so little for your older, busted phone, you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it, (laughs) slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it, we upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think.
2: Hey, folks, today is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021, coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered uh, on the Black Star Network, a group of coal miners. Uh, they are now calling on uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin to back the BBB plan after he said he is not going to vote for it. We'll talk with one of the leaders of the Poor People's Campaign in West Virginia who said they've been trying to get this union uh, and this uh, on board for a number of months. And we'll break that down also uh, on today's show. Uh, President Joe Biden unveils, uh, talks about Omicron, unveils an increasing number of COVID testing sites. They also announced they're going to be uh, setting aside uh, millions of home uh, kits and if people request them, they will be sent to America's homes for free. Also, still waiting on the verdict and the trial of Kim Potter, uh, the, one, the former cop on trial for the death of Dante Wright, also on today's show. Remember that white Louisiana judge cut on tape using the N-word? Well, she's had to step off of the bench and have been, been replaced by a black judge. Also, a California cop is acquitted even though the crime was caught on tape. And in our Marketplace segment sponsored by Verizon, we'll talk with a Houston restaurant owner uh, about how they've been able to uh, thrive during COVID. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go.
3: Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fat, the fine, and when it breaks, he's right on time, and it's rolling, best believe he's knowing, putting it down from sports to news to politics.
2: A union representing 80,000 coal workers the United Mine Workers of America, they're calling on West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin uh, to reconsider his stance uh, to oppose the Build Back Better uh, bill offered by President Joe Biden. They released a statement, and this is what they said: The United Mine Workers and Senator Joe Manchin have a long and friendly relationship. We remain grateful for his hard work to preserve the pensions and health care of our retirees across the nation, including thousands in West Virginia. He has been at our side as we have worked to preserve coal miners' jobs in a changing energy marketplace, and we appreciate that very much. The Build Back Better legislation includes several items that we believe are important for our members and their communities, some of which are part of the UMWA's Principles for Energy Transition we laid out last spring. For those reasons, for those and other reasons, we're disappointed that the bill will not pass. We urge Senator Manchin to revisit his opposition to the legislation and work with his colleagues to pass something that will help keep coal miners working and having meaningful impact on our members, their families, and their communities. Joining us right now is Jean Evans-Moore. She is the tri-chair of the West Virginia chapter of the Poor People's Campaign. And she says they've been trying for very for quite some time to get this union on board. Jean, uh, welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered
3: thank you thank you i'm so happy to be here
2: so take us through this process uh what have y'all been doing to try to get uh y'all, y'all of course been waiting for this statement uh from the mine workers of america
3: what what we've been doing as as you said we talked about it last night we have been working on trying to get mansion around to being what he needs to be for some time one of the things we always do we are contacting Various organizations to get them to come on board to be supportive of us. What I found out uh, here in West Virginia uh, couldn't find coal miners, uh, and I and I talked to somebody who's very involved um, in the coal mining community in Logan, and thought, okay, he could do it. He says, not a coal miner. They will not. They will not. What happened with Cecil Roberts speaking up? I think, I have not any doubt, it's going to be a whole change. I do expect to be able to find coal miners who will be able to talk, who will be able to speak up, who will be able to tell the world what is going on with them. That's what we do. We'd like people to speak for themselves rather than someone speaking for them. So I'm really excited about this, really.
2: Uh, look, the the, the, the point that we were talking about here is that uh, in order to get to Mansion, you got to get the people uh, who uh, who he needs and uh, who he supported in the past. And the bottom line is, uh, you know, many of these coal workers. Uh, at the end of the day, look, you, you know, Manchin could keep trying to say, "Oh, uh, you know, fighting to keep coal going," but it's a but it's a dying, it's a dwindling, and a dying industry. It's Absolutely. a dying industry. And so what their their statement also said is that, look, they're trying to protect future jobs and this bill does that.
3: Right, right. I think Manchin was so busy lying, setting up things that he just simply forgot to read this. He forgot to read what's in this bill and the things that Cecil Roberts pointed out because they are to help minors. That's where he gets lots of his money from, as you know brought a million bucks a year so he gets through that organization that i think he and his son set up he makes a hell of a lot of money off of that so i think he did it to himself and i think it's probably because of his greed that he didn't even notice what he was doing to his pocket
2: he keeps saying that uh he he, he you cannot support a bill that is bad for west virginians yet Thousands have been signing petitions, been writing letters. You've had caravans. Yes. Uh, y'all have been outside, and so it's. I mean, don't you find it interesting that he keeps saying that um, that um, uh, that West Virginians don't support it? Yet, according to uh, polling data, uh, nearly sixty, nearly sixty five to seventy percent right. of right. West Virginia voters support the Build Back Better plan. So, Absolutely. who who is he talking about? <laughs>
3: It's that little game that's up in his head that he might be talking to his corporate sponsors, his billionaires. And there's some guy that I think I've read that he has a weekly phone call with. He's talking to them. And you know how people tell you what you want to hear? So therefore he's had to make up stuff. He's had to make up stuff about West Virginia. Of course he's lying. Those of us, we are calling, we are texting. We've been doing that for months. It's a regular thing. He wasn't talking to West Virginians. He was talking about West Virginia. And the comments that he made about people, uh, I don't embarrass easily, but damn, oh daggum, he should not have stepped uh out of what's a particular zone that he should be in as a public servant. What he's doing is putting down people who don't need that instead of helping raise us, helping to do all the kinds of things he could do for West Virginia. That man has a job that was Senator Byrd's, as you know. I don't see any similarity between his actions and Senator Byrd's. It's just the opposite. Senator Byrd went out for West Virginia. Senator Byrd's name is roads, buildings, or whatever. I don't think Joe Manchin's name will be If it is, I don't think it'll be up very long. I'm glad Uh, to see Cecil Roberts stood up, spoke up and brought to the attention of lots of people. I don't think many people, I think there probably a lot of people who didn't realize the details for the uh, coal miners that are in here. So we've been educated.
2: um, I'm looking at uh, Huffington Post has a story where uh, uh, an activist, uh, Joanna Vance, um, said that, um, you know, manchin complained, um, uh, that, uh, oh, he was aware of, uh, some person, uh, one individual who said that their daughter was using the child tax, cr- the child tax payments, uh, you know, to buy crack. And, and so that's, that, that has sort of led for him, uh, to say people are using this for drugs. So what once, so what one person, uh, one story you hear. Then uh, And so you'd use that to say, so let me just screw over uh, every single person who is in America, who's receiving the child tax credit.
3: He has shown us what he really is and how narrow he is, how very narrow. It's like, I mean, I found myself saying often, I, you know, I, I'm older than he is. You know, I, one of the things that older people used to say, you need to be popped upside your head. It's kind of like knocking some sense in your head because that's where he is. There doesn't seem to be any. And as I say to me, and I think to other people too, this is a big thing. When you're voting against something that is to support your own things, people that put money in your pocket. I am, um, he's, you know, poor people's campaign doesn't quit. We are going to be, Busy. We're going to be busy very soon. And that's the way it is. Because we don't quit. We don't give up. This is a light. This is a big light into what was kind of a dark-looking situation. And that and it as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can see, it has to do with the fact that you know sometimes people read things, but they forget to read the fine print. I'm not saying this was in fine print, I don't know. But it looks like something that he and uh i'm not gonna blame it on his staff because he should know what the hell he was talking about or shut his mouth somebody missed something that's very important and this group is big enough to have brought it out and i think and i hope other national groups will be able and willing to step up to the plate now Uh what i'm hearing about this isn't very good i mean how it's functioning with with wall street and all of that, that he's thought well, he uh, seemed to be protecting or whatever, uh, looks like his understanding wasn't what, um, he wants you to believe it was. The facts are coming out.
2: All right. Uh, Jean Evansmore, uh, tri-state leader of the poor people's campaign in West Virginia. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot.
3: And we expect to see you in West Virginia, Roland. We'll make you an honorary West Virginia. And I will send you one of these t-shirts.
2: Well, I will I send
3: that. you one of these t-shirts. Once I'll just kind of come up with a size for you, okay? All
2: right, that's not a problem. Well, just just send, just send the two X. Well, probably after I get out of this quarantine, I'll probably be down to XL. Uh, so uh, yeah, look, look forward to seeing uh, y'all and keep the pressure, keep the great work going in West Virginia.
3: We thank you very much for this opportunity to, to let the rest of the world know what's going on. I think West Virginians will finally have the ability to speak up for themselves now. I think more people will get off their couch.
2: All right, we that look would be we- great. We, we certainly hope that happens. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Okay, good night. Want to pre want to bring in and Xavier Pope as well as uh, uh, Demario uh, Solomon uh, Simmons. Uh, glad to have all both of you here, uh, folks. Uh, this is this here's the thing that, I, that 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 is really interesting here. Also, Mustafa Santiago Ali. Uh, glad to have you here as well. So, folks, you know, I I, I keep saying this, and 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 uh, Demario, you're dealing with this here in with Justice for Greenwood. A lot of people say, Man, look, all y'all out here making all this noise, you protesting, you having rallies, and stuff doesn't matter. But the reality is, it does. That's the kind of constant, constant pressure that has to be applied to these elected officials to get them to do right.
4: No question, Roland. And thank you for being on the show. And thank you for having that young lady on to talk about it because that's important to do the work in the streets, do the work in the in the boardrooms and the courtrooms and it's also important to connect with people like you on the media that can get that story out and it has to be consistent we have to be able to be more than just about mobilizing for a moment or a week or even a month we have to have organization and that's what the poor people's campaign they have sustained action over a period of time and it takes that because we're against a very well-funded well, very well motivated opposition that does not want to see true justice and equity for everyone involved in america so i appreciate you appreciate that young lady i appreciate brother uh, william barber and everybody that's fighting hard for justice and joe manchin needs to do the right thing i mean just like you say i'm here in oklahoma west virginia is, more, is poorer than oklahoma and that's hard to be these people need these services they need these funds they need these programs and they are not entitlements, these are our own tax dollars that are going to help other Americans. They need to pass that bill today.
2: Uh, it is very interesting, uh, to see the reaction, uh, and, and you see uh, how folks uh, are willing, uh, to aggressively uh, go after uh, Mansion uh, Mustafa because of him going on Fox News. Uh, and and like always, uh, what comes out of DC, unfortunately, is always a conversation about process as opposed to what's actually in the proposed bill. All right,
1: exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing that Senator Manchin could, could continue to, to make so many mistakes, even if there's intentionality in those mistakes. Uh, West Virginia's 48th in employment, uh, 50th in childcare, 50th in public health. And inside of the bill, there are all kinds of things that could help to change that dynamic. You know, could help my family, you know, who were coal miners in West Virginia and a whole bunch of other folks. So inside of the bill, there is actually resources to help with black lung. My grandfather worked in the coal mines for 40 years, came up out of there with black lung like so many other folks. There are resources in there to actually build on the coal fields, to bring manufacturing opportunities there. So, Senator Manchin, do you not care about uh, economic opportunities and manufacturing so you can actually create uh, new sets of jobs and be a leader in that space because if West Virginia doesn't feel it? I guarantee you other uh, states will actually do that. And then there was also the opportunity that was in there around unions. West Virginia is one of the leaders in unions, has been historically. And for him not to support a bill that supports West Virginia, that supports Appalachia, makes no sense whatsoever unless you put into the formula that he is literally making millions and millions of dollars. He's the individual on Capitol Hill, whether on the Senate side or the House side, who receives more money from the fossil fuel industry than anyone else. And we know there are some characters up on Capitol Hill that have sold their soul for a a few pieces of silver. So when we look at, in totality, it makes absolutely no sense for him not to be supporting the Build Back Better bill Uh, And actually asking for it to be enhanced uh, instead of being the individual who has shrunk it down time and time again. Mm -hmm. Look at the bill. People kept changing the bill because of him to make sure that would be in alignment with the things that he said that he could
5: support.
2: Uh, Xavier, this might be it. CNBC has this story uh, that they just posted Senator Joe Manchin's political action committee saw a surge in corporate contributions this fall ahead of his decision to oppose this. Uh, His leadership received 17 contributions from corporations in October, 19 in November.
6: Yeah, I think that Joe Manchin thought he was serving some corporate interests in terms of his contributions, but then you also saw corporate America respond. The goals, Goldman Sachs quickly responding and and then downplaying in terms of what the the growth of the economy, uh, in terms of the GDP growth, uh, instead of being three percent, being two percent, and so it wasn't just the response of citizens, and we we find out what's in the bill. It was the corporate response to what's happened in the bill, and the outlook on the economy that now is changing the tenor of this ah uh, of the debate and what Joe Manchin is doing. It shows that he was reckless. Uh, he shows that he he made a calculation based on his political future, um, and also posturing, putting himself on Fox News. And it seems as if he really wasn't in the business of legislating, in so much he was in the business of re-electing Joe Manchin.
2: Oh, well, bottom line is this here, uh, and that is uh the pressure continues. We'll see uh, what happens next. Uh he says the bill needs to be completely rewritten, gone through going through Senate committees, and at the previous process, we'll see if that happens. All right, folks, gonna take a break. Um, we come back more on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, including uh, a judge out of Louisiana uh, who has had to uh, step down, replaced by a black judge because she was busted on a videotape using the N-word. Also, President Joe Biden talks about the Omicron variant, announces 500 million home kit uh, going to be sent to any American family that request it. We'll discuss all of that next right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered.
6: It's time to be smart.
7: Roland Martin's doing this every day. Oh, no punches. Thank you, Roland Martin, for always giving
8: voice to the issues. Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind. To quote Marcus Garvey again, the video looks phenomenal. So I'm really excited to see it on my
4: big screen. Support this man, Black media. He makes sure that our
8: stories are told. See this the difference between. Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. I got to defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network. I am rolling with Roland all the way. Honored to be on a show that you own. A Black man owns the show. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Proud
6: Roland was amazing on that. Stay blank. I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform that you've created for us to be able to share who we are, what we're doing in the world, and the impact that we're having. Let's be smart. Bring your
8: eyeballs home. You can't be black on media and be scared. You dig? Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's
6: up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
2: Folks, uh, Tabitha Queen, the 29 year old mother of three, has been missing since May 10th, 2021, from Bastrop, Louisiana. The family of the 5 foot 4 inch tall, 240, 240 pound woman just wants to find her for Christmas. Tabitha uh, has black hair and brown eyes. If you know anything about Tabitha Queen's disappearance, you're encouraged to call Bastrop Police at 318 281 1322. 318 281 1322 three, two, two, uh, today, president Joe Biden, went before the cameras to talk about the Omicron variant, uh, the cases are exploding all across the country uh, as folks are testing positive. Uh, as a result, uh, this is what he had to say from the white house.
5: That lay uh, out the steps, the vice president, and I are taking prepare for the rising number of cases experts tell us we can expect in the weeks ahead first. How concerned should you be about Omicron, which is now the dominant variant in this country and it happened so quickly? The answer is straightforward. If you're not fully vaccinated, you have good reason to be concerned. You're at a high risk of getting sick. And if you get sick, you're likely to spread it to others, including friends and family. And The unvaccinated have a significantly higher risk of ending up in a hospital or even dying. Almost everyone who has died from COVID-19 in the past many months has been unvaccinated. Unvaccinated. but if you're, on, if you're among the majority of Americans who are fully vaccinated, and especially if you've gotten the booster shot, that third shot, you're much, you have much, much less reason to worry. You have a high degree of protection against severe illness. But Because Omicron spreads so easily, we'll see some fully vaccinated people get COVID potentially in large numbers. There will be positive cases in every office, even here in the White House, among the unvaccinated, among the vaccinated vaccinated from from Omicron. But these cases are highly unlikely to lead to serious illness. Vaccinated people who get COVID may get ill, but they're protected from severe illness and death. That's why you should still remain vigilant. According to our doctors, Even if you're fully vaccinated, you should wear a mask when indoors and in public settings. Now, let me tell you about the additional steps I'm ordering today to take on what is coming. I know you've heard a lot of this in the news already this morning. Three weeks ago, I laid out a COVID-19 action plan for this winter that prepared us for this moment. Today, we're making the plan even stronger. First, We're setting up our vaccination and booster efforts. We're stepping it up significantly. In the past two weeks, we've seen the highest vaccination rates since last spring. And we aren't as vaccinated as a country as we should be, though. That's why we have added 10,000 new vaccination sites on top of the 80,000 sites that are already — we had — we already had in place. And even more will open in January. I know there's some parts of this country where people are very eager to get their booster, where it's harder to get an appointment. Excuse me. So, starting this week, I'll be deploying hundreds more vaccinators and more sites to help get the booster shots in people's arms. I've ordered FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, to stand up new pop-up vaccination clinics all across the country where you can get that booster shot. We've opened, oh, excuse me, we opened FEMA vaccination sites in Washington State and New Mexico recently as cases have increased. And today, I'm directing FEMA to stand up new sites in areas where there is a high demand. These steps are going to help us add more, more and more booster appointments and over the, just over the next few weeks. I also want to say a word to parents. If your children are not vaccinated, please get them vaccinated. If you're a parent, understandably, who waited to see how the first shots went with other kids before getting your own kid vaccinated, you can stop waiting. Six million children in our country ages 5 to 11 are vaccinated. Get your children protected today, now. For those parents out there who have a child that's too young to be vaccinated, that is under the age of 5,
2: All right, folks. Uh, let's go right to my uh, next guest. Uh, she is uh, out of uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. A uh, doctor, Melissa Clark. She's the co-founder of Black Coalition Against COVID. Uh, doctor Clark, glad to have you here. And so let, let's talk about. Hi, Roland. That's the
7: the Black Coalition Against COVID. I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry. They uh, no they, had this, they had this wrong in, in the script. So let's, let's let's get right to this whole thing here because so this is where I'm sort of confused right now. A couple of weeks ago, the White House was challenged on about sending home COVID tests. Oh, it can't be done. It's going to be too costly. Here we are two weeks later now saying it's, it's going to be done. Now they're announcing they're increasing uh, COVID testing sites. OK, I'm just trying to understand why weren't the were want these increases in place. Why are we talking about two weeks later? I mean, are, what I'm not understanding is, is why are we not? throwing everything at this. Do you think that what what America has done, we will sort of say, okay, you know what? Things are getting better. Let's just all back off. And then now when there's a spike now, it's like, "Oh my god, what do we do now? Let's ramp up. If we maintain a high level, maybe we're not going to see an explosion in cases."
7: Well, you know, certainly uh I'm glad to be here, Roland, and that's an excellent question. You know, There has been sort of a gradual ramp up. And let me say, first of all, thank God there is a plan because we are definitely better than we were a year ago when there was no plan. And there has been gradual ramp up of testing, capacity, approving home tests. Um, But you're absolutely right. We saw the Omicron variant. We saw how rapidly it was expanding through Europe and certain parts of Africa. And the fact that there are lines of people trying to get uh, home test kits right now um, could have been foreseen. Um, That being said, I do believe that the parts of his plan that deal with testing are commendable. With the exception, I have a little bit concern about that online, uh, going online to get test kits. There really needs to be equity in every policy. And so for those people who don't have broadband yep, access. yep,
2: there you go. Saw,
7: yeah, we saw that debacle when it came to going online to schedule for your vaccines back in February and March and April. So why repeat that same issue? We know how to reach those people in neighborhoods that have low broadband. We have community-based institutions and organizations like the Black Church like community centers and recreation centers and elementary schools that could serve as distribution points. We have community-based organizations that could deploy and go door to door to deliver those tests in areas that have low broadband. We need to roll out these plans at the same time as the online testing to ensure that every American really is able to get access to those tests.
2: And not only that, you know, the, so their they're thinking is, well, for those for those households that want the test, they have to request it. And you're right. People are not sitting here only going online. So guess what? Set up a set up a basic phone number, set up a mm-hmm. hotline for folks to be able to call um, mm-hmm. and then all and then and then they should be dropping those PSAs uh, or, 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 you know, and, you know, buying airtime uh, from black owned media and others. Uh, to encourage folks to get these home home tests
7: and not just get them how to take them. We're in the process of developing uh, videos for how to make sure that, you know, how to use the home test because it's a five step process. Not everybody has the same ability, literacy ability, health literacy ability to understand the instructions and execute it correctly. So, you know, there's there's more to, to it than just, you know, making the test available online
2: uh absolutely and so um uh you know i think i think this is important and and also i think what has to happen is this this is just i i think as as a as a country we've got to frankly be at defcon 5 if you will whatever the highest level and say we're going to stay there um for the ne- minimum next 2 years cuz see this whole yo-yo this whole thing oh let's open up things are getting better oh my god we got to pull back whatever that to me, that is also what contributes to, to where we are because people get lackadaisical. Folks just sort of begin to, to, you know, just, oh, you know, everything is going fine. Uh, we saw the rush uh, for folks wanting to back with football games and basketball games and concerts. And now we're seeing what's turning into super spreader events. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i seeing, you know, look, I'm sitting here in quarantine right now uh, for, for testing positive, and just more and more people uh, are, are doing it every single day, and, 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 and the numbers are climbing.
7: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's been an effort to balance people's mental well-being, our economic well-being, and our public health well-being. But I think the messaging around that has to constantly say these situations are fluid and changing. Because once you take away a mask mandate, it's really hard to re-reinstitute it. Just as you said, People's behaviors lag behind the advice. And when they lag behind the advice, that's when you see rapid increases in cases taking off, like we see now. But it's still really important to be very careful in public spaces in terms of wearing your mask. Even in small, you know, getting together with your friends and teenagers that are having sleepovers. These kinds of things can quickly become super spreader events, especially if people are not vaccinated and boosted.
2: Yeah, but you still got these people who say masks don't work. I mean, I mean, I, I can't tell you uh, how I keep seeing these folks all over social media, um, people with significant followings who say, why are we doing these masks? There's no proof they actually work.
7: There is plenty of proof that they actually work. We see states and communities that have um, carried out the mask mandates. We see that rates of cases and case spread are much lower when you compare on a, on a macro level uh, from community to community. They definitely work. And I know those same people have not been in the trenches with healthcare workers, seeing the, the cases overrun hospitals Um, And people being put on ventilators, because I guarantee you they would change their mind when they see how devastating it can be to contract a severe case of COVID and potentially die. They work.
2: Uh, Well, I think it's it's a whole lot of stuff that we certainly have to do. Uh, Any questions uh, for um, my guest, Mustafa, uh, Demario, Xavier?
4: Well, I want to thank the sister for the great work she's doing. She talked about equity and everything. And you made a great point when you talked about uh, needing another way to to have access to our community. Everyone is on email. You know, in our organization, Justice for Greenwood, we had to set up a hotline just for that reason, because some of the older people that we're trying to impact, they don't use email. They're not getting online by themselves. And we know our community. Older people are at higher risk so i think that is very important to have those important voices like yours doc making sure that our people understand what the issue is and how we can access and have actual access to the life-saving maneuvers one of my clients and partners dr tiffany crutcher yesterday uh, her uh, i mean on the 14th her mother a year ago on the 14th went into the hospital uh, with COVID, and she never made it out. And you know, we talked about that yesterday because she was right there on the day when the vaccinations were coming on market, but she got sick beforehand. So we don't want to see that happen to anyone else in this country.
7: Absolutely not. And you know, another thing that I often hear on social media is, "Well, you know, why should I get vaccinated?" Because people are getting sick who get vaccinated anyway. Um, and you know, what I always say is. When you're going out into sub-zero weather, you're going to want to layer up. You're going to want to have your, your long johns, your sweaters, and your down coat. That represents mass physical distancing and a vaccine. Are you going to feel cold? Sure, you'll probably feel cold, but you're not going to die of hypothermia. You're not going to get frostbite as if you were going out there naked with nothing on, which is basically what you're doing, especially in this Omicron wave, Um, with how contagious it is. It's three times uh, more contagious than Delta, which was three times more contagious than the previous variants. So it's incredibly contagious. And even though there's some evidence that there might be a little bit more mild disease, we don't know that yet. We don't know across the board how it's gonna affect all populations. So it's really important now, more than ever before, to have all those layers in place especially vaccination and boosting. And my heart goes out to Dr. Crutcher and her, and her mother, certainly. We don't wanna see that happen to any other family in the United States.
2: The, uh, what mask should we be using? What, because uh, I, I've seen other doctors who have been saying uh, the last several days, folks, get rid of those cloth masks. They're yes. not working. So You're what mask right. should we be using?
7: So cloth masks were, de- were, were deployed just as an interim step because we could not ramp up mask manufacturing quickly enough to ensure that every American had a, a, a supply of masks. Now that we have the KN95 masks and the N95 masks available um, in drugstores and other retail outlets, those are what people should be using. That's
2: so KN and N95 are fine.
7: Yes, absolutely. And surgical masks. And if you only have one surgical mask, it's uh, or I should say, if you're using a surgical mask, it's important to double up on the surgical mask because that makes them more effective. Or if you have a cloth mask and a surgical mask, double up.
2: Xavier or Mustafa?
6: Yeah. I'm- uh, when I keep thinking about our seniors um, and the the tech, uh, uh, the tech technology gap that's there and the information gap that's there um, and getting them vaccinated and then getting them boosted uh, with the, the change of in information, Roland talked about the going back and forth. How do we get information to our seniors to make sure that they are on board with the information that they're receiving to be protected? And also, we don't even know... Um, I don't necessarily think they're they're aware of the proper mask and how do we get proper campaign out to our communities um, that have been hesitant and then now may feel even more distrustful, particularly of the government of different age groups based on the changes and what's going on with Omicron.
7: So one of the things that has been happening that doesn't get a lot of attention is there have been a number of initiatives across the the country thinking outside the box and how to reach hard, hard hit, and hard-to-reach communities. I've been a part of that. My company is called the Be Health Empowered Group. Um, and I'm part of, I'm a founder of the Black Coalition Against COVID. And we've worked with an organization called Choose Healthy Life and the Leadership Council for Healthy Communities to train 120 people across the country that are in faith institutions to go out and knock on doors and have events. Um, and talk about vaccination. There are phone trees in place through many of our churches now and faith institutions to actually try to reach some of the harder to reach communities like some of our older older Americans. Um, And in addition, there are also other agencies like um, the uh, Department of Aging in various cities that are also participating in some of these um, outreach opportunities to older adults. Um, For example, going door to door uh, for people who are shut in to offer vaccinations. So there is a lot of work being done behind the scenes. Could more be done? Could more funding be available? Absolutely. But the infrastructure is in place to really try to reach those harder to reach communities.
2: Mustafa?
1: Doctor, thank you so much for what your organization does and yourself as well. Uh, You know, I've lost multiple people to COVID-19. My family lost the first individual in West Virginia. The first person to die was an African-American woman. And and I'm curious, even when we went through that, it it still took some work to get the rest of the family to to make sure that they got vaccinated. So my question is, do we need to have some type of accountability partners uh, inside of our families, inside of our organizations to make sure not only the folks who are not yet vaccinated or vaccinated, but also then staying engaged to get people to make sure they get the boosters.
7: I think that is a excellent suggestion because frankly, people respond to the individuals who they trust, the individuals who are closest to them and family accountability partners, friend accountability partners, I think is an excellent method to do it. There are plenty of voices that are out here, mine included that have you know been talking to people for months on end, um, trying to, to dismantle the disinformation, which really is the enemy. The disinformation that's out there is the enemy. And people tend to build these echo chambers of disinformation around themselves because social media, as we know, serves up to you exactly what you wanna hear based on your history. So really breaking through that bubble of disinformation is really what we have to do for our, our community, which you know we know is mistrustful and has reasons to be mistrustful of a government that has seemed to never want to do uh, right by us, now saying, oh, here's this great vaccine that's gonna help you out. But we have to understand that this is a worldwide pandemic. This is being offered to everybody and it has clearly been shown to keep people out of the hospital and keep them from dying overwhelmingly
2: all right then well i look i certainly appreciate uh the work that, that you were doing out melissa clark thank you so very much uh with the black coalition against COVID. thanks a lot
7: all right thank you all be safe and happy holidays
2: folks we come back we're going to talk about uh the racist white judge in louisiana caught on video using the n-word and she's like oh i took a sedative and i don't recall anything well she's now been replaced by a black judge while she is being suspended We'll talk about that next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Also, Marilyn Mosby, a state's attorney in Baltimore. She said, you know what? I'm sick of your bullshit, Governor Larry Hogan. Uh, She is calling um, uh, his constant attacks uh, racial dog whistles. I'm going to play you uh, some of her clap back today against the governor. Folks, it's a lot we're going to talk about right here in Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
6: our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing
7: the
3: challenges there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them but i'm able to say watch
5: out Tipperty. i know this bro. that is so freaking dope
8: <laughs> Hello, everyone, I'm Godfrey, and you're watching...
2: Roland Martin unfiltered, and while he's doing unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. All right, folks, the Louisiana Supreme Court, they have replaced uh, Michelle O'Donnell, Lafayette County uh, City Court, excuse me, Lafayette City Court judge. who was caught on video using the N-word with retired Opelousas City Court judge Vanessa Harris. Uh, Harris is an African-American. She becomes the first black woman to fill the seat in Lafayette City Court. She's going to serve from December 17th to February 28th. Uh, now, I remember, uh, Odinette was suspended by the state's highest court after she was caught on video saying the N word to her family after uh, a robbery was foiled. Watch this.
8: Oh,
5: we shit. Book, gotta
1: watch. The,
8: mom goes, why are the lights on? When, when I pull on? up in the whip, they be saying, God it's damn. Like,
1: why are your lights on? They're like, pull up, pull up.
8: And mom's yelling,
9: nigger.
8: Nigger. Like, Kid, we have a nigger. It's a nigger. Like a roach. Look, I'm, Oh, that's me. No, that's I came song, from the backside. Look, <laughs> 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 he trips over
7: the He trips twice. He trips <laughs> twice. through. <laughs> <laughs>
8: I call all in front me. Kenny was standing. I'm the one that took him down. Kenny's just standing there. Ha ha ha.
5: He lied. That's was
4: his
6: wallet. Yeah. That's my phone where it fell out.
4: Look, Mom. The
8: dude had a phone on him. We should have taken his phone and stolen from him, that fucking asshole. And, and now I'm going to have a gun. Get the gun.
4: It's important. Very important. Proudly As me and Austin maintain control
8: of the thing. Thing. Yeah, yeah, situation.
5: Look there with the car. Wait, look. There's look, come There's, there's What
0: a play
2: that Now, after the video came out, Odinette said, "Damn, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take the racist sedative. I, I, I I'm gonna take the other sedative." Um, she says she has no memory of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. You got Gary Chambers is a activist out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. One of the folks uh, who uh, uh, brought this to light, made it public. Uh, Gary, uh, always glad to have you back on the show. Uh, But seriously, dude, I I took a sedative. Now, normally, if you take a sedative, you're sort of knocked out. She was wide damn awake in that video.
8: Rolling. And uh, like you said, I don't know no pills that make you speak. Uh, was truly in your heart. Now, I do know uh, that a drunk mind speaks sober thoughts so that if you had uh, something that had impaired you, the only way that was going to come out of you is if it was in you.
2: Well, now we also, uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's hilarious in terms of watching this whole deal. Now, uh, the uh, Orleans, now you have another development where you have the Orleans DA uh, who is calling for review of all of her cases when she served as prosecutor.
8: Williams is a great district attorney in New Orleans, a progressive DA, and it is right. But every case that she saw as a prosecutor while she worked for the Orleans district attorney's office is now under review. But furthermore, here's the question. How do you appoint someone like that back to the bench where 80 70 to 80 percent of the people who come before her in the court that she serves in are African-American? And every lawyer that comes in there is going to say, look, I can't take my client before this judge. At the end of the day Roland, she has to go the question is how quickly is she gonna go
2: yeah i mean i absolutely agree and and, and again you know we, we talk about this all the time uh and uh and certainly uh xavier uh demario and mustafa uh will bring you in on this as well uh, i mean this is the thing that we always talk we we, we we deal with when you have these we have these racist judges in this case here's somebody Who's now busted on video, and it's like, oh, that's just not—that's not who me and my husband are. Well, wait, well, but but nigga, sure roll out your mouth real easy <laughs> and call them a roach and everything.
6: Yeah, Roland, She she also when they, there was a, a quote of a hip hop song that was by a white hip hop artist that is basically cosplaying being black. When I roll up in the whip, they be saying, "God damn!" So. There is a layer of basic blackface and using the, the racial slurs. And uh, what she said, that it didn't really put you to sleep not turn you to a racist. So um, and they had to pull a sister out of retirement to take the bench. And I know that she wanted to, to enjoy the rest of her life in peace. And now she got to come up and clean behind this racist white woman.
2: tomorrow again the thing that we often talk about is in when you're dealing with the system is you know above the Supreme Court it says equal justice under law what it should say underneath that is but we got lots of racist folks uh, in the system.
4: no question I think we need to back up a little bit first of all I like to know who dimed out because I thought she was just there with her kids so shout out for the person that dimed out Number two, If you listen to the video her son is quoting what her mother was saying that night not about what she was saying right then she said mom was saying n-word n-word this and then she actually added to that i think that's real key that we understand and not let her to say oh what i took this sedative," which we know is just crazy third i'm very happy to hear that the da down there is saying we need to look at every case that she handled as a prosecutor but i believe it should go even further because. I'm in front of judges all the time, and most of them are are white because I live in Oklahoma. And if you have a judge, as Brother Pope just stated, that you know utilizes that type of racial slur, I don't think any white person should ever say, I I try not to say the word at all, period, but I'm certainly not a white person. That person needs to be off the bench, but they need to review all of her cases as a prosecutor and a judge that involved African-Americans, Period.
1: Well, I take it a step further. First of all, let me say it's good to see Brother Gary uh, on the show. Um, And the other part is is that she needs to be disbarred. Um, And I know there's a process that you have to go through for that. But this is not the type of individual who should be representing anyone in the legal system. Um, So at a minimum. And the other part of it, of course, is that all of these cases that she has looked at over the years, as other panelists have already shared, you know, you've got to raise an eyebrow to that. And you know that there's no way that she was impartial if these are the types of uh, things that she holds in her heart. Um, So, uh, and of course, it plays out in so many different ways. So one, of course, is the review of all these previous cases. But two, um, it's time for folks to step up and begin to disbar individuals who don't represent what the 21st century legal system has to be.
6: I will just add that the steps to review her cases would probably lead to the disbarment as opposed to the things that she actually said in terms of violating any ethics laws in that particular state. So that would be the process of of her disbarment.
2: And Gary, these are the kind of folks who have no business in the system who need to be completely booted out not allowed to retire. But, yeah, strip her of her law uh, of her, a law license.
8: Absolutely, Roland. She needs to be removed from the bench immediately. Her law license needs to be taken away. And here's the deal. Her husband is the coroner in Lafayette Parish. And so if she's not careful, uh, you know, we already lit up the husband's plastic surgery office yesterday, made them change their phone lines. We're going to go after him next. If she don't just go ahead and get out the way because we're not letting this go.
2: All right then. Keep putting that pressure on them, Gary Chambers. We love it. Thanks a lot.
8: Thank you, Roland.
2: Uh, All right, folks, Uh, a Minnesota jury ends its second-day deliberations in the manslaughter trial of uh, Kim Potter, of course. Uh, She is the former cop, uh, Brooklyn Center cop on trial for the death of Dante Wright. Uh, She faces first and second-degree manslaughter charges for the shooting. We'll keep you updated uh, on what happens uh, in that particular case. Now, let's go to Texas, where a Texas grand jury has declined to indict a Bayer County deputy in the fatal shooting of a black veteran. Without a grand jury indictment felony criminal charges against deputy John Rodriguez cannot proceed at the state level. Rodriguez shot Damian Daniels in August of 2020 after he and his partner struggled to take Daniels loaded gun and detain him for mental health treatment. The grand jury's decision comes two weeks after the Daniels family and activists gathered at the Bayer County courthouse to demand the case be heard by a grand jury. So, uh, that case there. All right, folks, uh, let's also uh, talk about this uh, story uh, from Walmart. Uh, uh, Of course, uh, while shopping for the holidays, uh, a mother in Kentucky noticed uh, these black dolls were more expensive than white dolls at Walmart. The black dolls cost 50% more than the white dolls. Well, Walmart has apologized. They lowered the price of the white dolls to drive up sales. In 2014 walmart also had black dolls listed for higher prices than white dolls i don't i mean like really i mean that's that that's that's what we, i mean uh, uh, uh what is it Uh black dolls so popular uh we get to cost more
1: it's the black tax that we know continues to play out uh in so many different ways in our country and this also places black businesses at a disadvantage if i'm a black doll maker and my dolls are going to cost more. It may end up pushing folks to purchase a non-black doll um, because they may be on some type of a budget. Um, so there are so many different ways that this disproportionately impacts uh, both on the economic side, on the mental health side and a number of other ways.
2: That's how we doing, uh, Demario, uh, like a charge of 14 hours more for a black doll.
4: Well, you know, it just really shows the anti-blackness that's throughout our entire society. And so Walmart would say, look, look, not too many people want to buy a black doll. We all know the famous experiment of putting a black doll and a white doll in front of the little kids. And most of the kids, even black kids, were selecting white dolls. So what we have to do is say, hey, this uh, anti-black bias that exists at all levels, as Brother Mustafa just stated, we cannot tolerate it. And if this is the same type of a doll and you have a $14 gap, that's a big problem. That sends a message uh, to the black community and to, to black consumers that, hey, if you want to get something that looks like you, you're going to have to pay this amazing, uh, t- terrible premium. And that's something we cannot tolerate, period.
2: I want to talk about this uh, story here where McDonald's has settled a racial discrimination lawsuit filed by one of its longtime black franchisees. Uh, Herb Washington, former League former baseball player, filed suit against uh, McDonald's, saying that he was being denied uh and was being hurt uh by by the company when it comes to owning restaurants uh he mcdonald's purchased 13 of his restaurants for 33.5 million dollars uh this is a federal lawsuit and at one point he owned uh 23 mcdonald's restaurants uh and again according to this story in exchange for his agreement to exit mcdonald's system and dismiss the lawsuit McDonald's purchased his 13 restaurants for 33.5 million dollars they said it was a fair price for the restaurants quote the court did not find that the company violated any laws discrimination has no place at mcdonald's while we were confident in the strength of our case this resolution aligns with mcdonald's values and enabled us to continue focusing on our commitments to the communities that we serve again washington has said that mcdonald's discriminated against him by having him uh, get restaurants in low volume uh, areas in black neighborhoods and forcing him to downsize his store base, uh, said he had uh, after grading his locations unfairly. Uh, and again, this is what he said at the time when I stood up for myself and other black franchisees, McDonald's began dismantling my life's work, forcing me to sell one store after another to white operators. Also last week, McDonald's settled a similar suit uh, brought by two black operators in Tennessee, James and Daryl Bird. Uh, they were, uh, so again, they settled that. McDonald's purchased uh, four restaurants for $6.5 million. And the birds also agreed uh, to drop their uh, their suit. Now, there still is uh, a lawsuit on behalf of 77 former black franchisees that is still pending uh, in the court system. Uh, Folks, uh, yesterday we talked about the mandatory minimums. And of course, we were talking about uh, the uh, bill dealing with uh, crack cocaine and powder cocaine ending that disparity well i was on social media today uh and was looking at um uh, i was looking at um uh, number of different uh, stories and i saw uh, kevin rings uh twitter uh feed uh where he said there was some good news that came out of the department of justice uh as it relates to people who have been uh, let out of prison but they've been serving their sentence uh in home confinement now the department of justice initially made a ruling saying that those people after COVID ends, those people will have to go back to federal prison. They've now changed that. Uh, joining us right now with FAM uh, is Kevin Reen. Kevin, how you doing?
0: I'm doing better
2: today. All right. So, yeah, you were <laughs> you're ecstatic on Twitter. So tell people what the great news is.
0: All right. Well, for 11 months, as you said, we've been fighting this battle to keep people home. Um, thousands of people were cleared to go to home confinement because the former administration under Attorney General Bill Barr had decided that there was a bunch of low-risk people who could spend the rest of their sentences on home confinement. As long as they met certain conditions, they had to serve half their sentence, no violence in their record, no disciplinary infractions. So these were the lowest of low risk. They sent these people home. Most of them have been home for over a year and a half now. They've got jobs, they're paying taxes, starting families, starting jobs, all the rest. And then at the end of the Trump administration, the office of legal counsel sent out a memo, as you said, that said, actually the attorney general's authority expires at the end of the pandemic. All of these people have to come back. And so for the last 11 months, we've had thousands of families just sweating it out, not knowing if in a few months from now they were going to wake up with their families or back in a prison cell. And it's been very stressful. And we have been fighting and fighting. We have done everything we could, running ads, meeting with lawmakers, getting letters from their employers, doing everything we could to change this outcome. And today I got a call at 3.30 from the attorney general saying they were going to revise the memo and they were going to let these people stay home.
2: Now, That certainly uh, is, is huge news. Um, they gave any indication of what led to them revising it?
0: Well, no. And I I mean, I I just have to say that, you know, in some ways, I didn't think this would be such a fight because the idea that the Biden administration, right, was going to reincarcerate thousands of people that the Trump administration sent home seems so ridiculous and absurd that I just didn't even think it would come to this. I didn't think we'd be fighting for 11 months on this. But I just think all the groups that have been And I'm telling you, all of these folks who are in home confinement, who were formerly incarcerated, they've been raising their voices. There have been tons of media coverage. I was on this show with you, um, with Gwen Levi, who was one of the women who was, you know, brought home. And then they tried to send her back to prison for missing a phone call at a computer class. Um, It was so absurd that they would send them back that I just I don't know why it took this. Um, And they didn't say what the reversal was. But I, I mean, somehow common sense finally prevailed. And they've realized this would be a disaster to separate thousands of families when you know there was no public safety benefit to it.
2: Wow, that's uh, well. First of all, that is uh, absolutely great news. And how many people are we talking about?
0: Right now, there's about twenty five to three thousand, twenty five hundred to three thousand people who would be affected and would have to go back. And um, you know, these people are already in their community. I mean, they're paying taxes. They're doing everything you would want. There's no risk, right? I mean. Bill Barr took a risk a year and a half ago, but now these people have proven um, that they can live back in the community. They didn't need those long mandatory sentences that so many of them have, you know, they got. And in some ways, you know, in COVID, a lot of areas has been a natural experiment. And this has been one too, because for those of us who think we send too many people to prison for too long, we got this natural experiment where all these people came home and they showed they didn't need those decades in prison. They could live back in the community and contribute. And so it's just been great. And I'm so relieved that thousands of families, this is the best Christmas present for them. They are relieved. They're in tears of joy. And I'm so happy for them.
2: All right, Kevin, great job. Uh, again, keeping the pressure uh, on the Department of Justice uh, to, um, to, uh, to to move on this. Uh, it, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And you're right. We don't need no level, don't need low no level offenders costing taxpayers unnecessarily sitting in federal prison.
0: Thank you for bringing attention to this and all these
2: issues. All right. Thanks a bunch. Uh, all right, Kevin, again, great, great job there. Um, let's bring my panel back up. Folks, uh, this note just came in. Um, that is, uh, you may have a possible deadlock in the trial of Kim Potter. Uh, the jury is asked a, an additional question to the judge, and this is what they asked. If a jury cannot reach consensus, what is the guidance around how long and what steps should be taken? Um, that's what they, uh, it was a question that was read in open court by judge Regina Chu presiding over the, uh, over the trial, uh, DeMario, your thoughts, uh, uh, you know, on this, uh, new development.
4: Well, first of all, it's disappointing because this lady uh, shot a person that she shouldn't have shot. And that's definitely negligence, homicidal negligence. But what that means at that point, you know, the judge was probably going to tell them, hey, go back, keep trying, keep working. Um, Maybe let them go home for the night and let them come back to it. If they cannot come to a consensus and obviously we will have what's called a hung jury. What that means is in a hung jury that they could not come to a decision and the case would have to either be retried all over again, start all the way over, or the state could decide they're not going to prosecute any further. So even if she gets a hung jury, which I don't think is the right decision here, it's not over. It's just that someone's back there not being able to be convinced. And what I like to tell people all the time and, you know, you never know what's going on back in the jury room. I've been there many, many times. But I hope those who have strong convictions that this lady should be uh, prosecuted that in and, and a sentence and, and a found guilty, that they strength straight hard with that. And they don't they don't falter. I've had cases rolling. Literally, I've lost cases on the civil side where people just said they were ready to go home. They just were tired of deliberating. They didn't feel like we should have lost. They wanted to vote in our favor, but they just wanted to go home. So I hope those who are fighting for justice for Dante stay strong and either convict this lady or do not let her walk.
2: Um, what you're seeing here, Xavier, uh, again, this is what the defense wanted well, her up here with those dry tears. Uh, all they, they just needed one person, one person to hold out, uh, in order for her to get off.
6: Yeah, Roland. That's all you need is one person. You just need one person. But the fact that they asked the, the judge, what happens if we don't reach a verdict? It says a lot about where they think they are in terms of Comprom- the compromise that may happen, They, the, it, 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 what, what is, what's the outcome of their decision? They are understanding the gravity of what they are doing. And Kim Potter's, tier, the Rittenhouse tiers on the stand, um, maybe have worked on a particular jury. Jury notification is a thing for a particular jury that may be predisposed a bias toward the process. Now, this, may, like, like our, our previous panelist said, send them home, bring them back, Um and I know they asked another question about some conversations that Potter had with a, with a, with a, with a, with a psychiatrist or a therapist and to be able to determine what her state of mind was to be able to needle in what some of the charges were. So I don't think this, this is over yet, but this is not a good sign.
2: Mustafa.
1: If I make a mistake and kill somebody, more than likely uh, there are going to be significant penalties for me. The exact same thing has to play out here. You know, her defense is I made a mistake. Well, we can accept that you made a mistake, but there also has to be repercussions for that mistake that you made. You took someone's life. You pulled someone over, her partner pulled someone over for having an air freshener in their car, and then he lost his life. So for me, this is a very serious and, you know, you don't want to set these precedents where other police officers can just say, well, I made a mistake, so I, I shouldn't be found guilty of taking someone's life."
4: You know, and the thing about it is when you say a police officer made a mistake, Xavier and I, you know, we lawyers, when we make a professional mistake, we have to be held accountable. She's not just some regular individual out there who made a mistake. She was trained for this. She had worked on this position for over 15 years, and it has to be some form of accountability. But I just wanna just say another thing that Xavier brought up. He brought up the term jury nullification. Jury nullification. This is something that can also be used in a positive manner for us as black people. When our people, when you're on that jury, you want a black person on there, two black people on there, hold out and make sure the prosecution is actually doing everything to the constitution for those black people that they're prosecuting. And you can say, I don't believe that this black person has received a fair trial. Therefore, I am not going to convict them. We have to be strong enough to do that when we get on these juries because this entire system is set up to... (laughs) The entire system is set up to allow these injustices to happen. And when we have the opportunity, they're very far and few between, but when we have that opportunity, stay strong in your conviction and don't just go with the herd Don't just go with the other juries. Stay strong and use jury nullification in our favor when justice requires it.
6: And I'll add this piece, too, because uh, you you talked about the standard in in the training of being a police officer. And I've said this plenty of times on your show, Roland, that there needs to be our laws have to be able to be changed. Just like so many other professions, whether it's finance or, or whether it's other industries, if you don't meet a certain standard and you fall short of that standard, there's a criminal penalty to pay for that. And we're making it harder for cops if they don't meet that standard because we're basing it on them them having sort of their training. So if you have training and you're not meeting that standard you're, and you don't meet that, how are you not criminally liable for that in other industries but it's not for police officers? We need to clean that up because that is a great – a great area in our law that's allowing police officers to get off for shooting people for an air freshener and calling it a mistake.
2: All right, folks, uh, hold tight one second. When we come back talking about someone getting off, cop in California got off uh, and some video was caught on tape. Also we'll tell you about a lawsuit involving black women and Google and Haitian immigrants suing the federal government. We'll tell you all about that next on Roller Martin unfiltered right here on the black star network.
6: Time to be smart. Roland Martin's doing this every day.
8: Oh no
7: punches! Thank you, Roland Martin, for always giving voice to the issues.
8: Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind. To quote Marcus Garvey again, the
4: video looks phenomenal. So I'm really excited to see it on my big screen. Support this man, Black media. He makes sure that our
8: stories are told. See this difference between. Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. I gotta defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network. I am rolling with Roland all the way. Honestly, on a show that you own, a Black man owns the show. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Proud. Roland was amazing on that.
6: black, I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform that you've created for us to be able to share who we are what we're doing in the world and the impact that we're having
8: let's be smart bring your eyeballs home you can't be black on media and be scared you dig
2: All right, folks, we talk a lot about, about um, you know cops getting off and getting the benefit of the doubt. You can take this out in California. A former white California police officer was acquitted by a falsifying a police report from a violent arrest of a black man in May of 2020. Officer Matthew Diggs accused Amari Johnson of smoking while he was outside waiting for friends to come from their apartment building. Johnson had his phone in his hand, but he had no smoking paraphernalia. The ex-cop detained Johnson for no reason after the acquittal of the San Diego branch of the NAACP said, quote, there was more than enough evidence to convict this former police officer. The justice system failed in this case. This is the thing Demario we talk about all the time. How unfortunately, in this system, juries and judges will give so much leeway to the cops. I mean, and so again, he says the guy was smoking, no evidence, but the cop gets off.
4: Yeah, I mean, this again, this is a great example of that word again, jury nullification, where there were people on that jury that decided, I'm not going to rule against this cop. I don't care what I hear. And that happens all the time. And I'm really actually impressed with the San Diego police chief that they fired this guy for lying because, Roland, as you know, I practice 1983 police excessive violence cases every day and we see the lying happens all the time. They are actually taught how to lie. They're taught how to ch- use certain phrases that helps them get off. They're super-stamping. We see this almost every single day, and most times there's absolutely no accountability. And one of the things that we always talk about is even body cameras. We say, oh, we need body cameras. Obviously it's better to have video than not, but that is not the, that's not the, the silver bullet because this was on video. This shows that this guy was lying about this young man. And we see many, many cases like that we're dealing with right now every single day in that jury nullification scenario. What does that mean, right? That's what the brother Mustafa said earlier, the black tax. That's what we're up against. It's unfair, it's, it's unjust. We gotta continue to fight. We cannot get this hard we cannot get discouraged. As you say, rolling on your in your promo, which gets me hype every time I hear it. If you're black on media, you can't be afraid. Hey, if you're a black person in America, you can't be afraid because the reality is we're going to have these injustices, but we must continue to fight. We must continue to speak out. We must continue to stand for our rights and our dignity at every opportunity. Even when we have these blatant, 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 uh, losses, uh,
2: the, according to police report, Xavier, he said that he saw this man smoking, um, yet nothing was discovered. Nothing, nothing at all. So, how do you see somebody smoking if you can't find any evidence of the smoke?
6: Roland, we, I just talked about this in our last segment. If the jury instructions about what violates the law is relating specifically to just a lay person on the street, the jury in their mind, particularly if they're, and we know the juries have been historically biased, they're going to put in their mind what an average person would do and what a police officer would do. And even seeing evidence they're not gonna match it up to the jury instructions. So if the laws change and if you're a police officer and you do these things and you violate this, then you have now committed a crime, that speaks directly to what the jurors are supposed to do to directly associate their activity with criminal behavior. So if juries in their brain, are thinking that cops cannot commit a crime, no matter what they see. The jury instructions are gonna not gonna line up in terms of criminality that they can hold a police officer accountable. That's why we have to change our laws to be able to be, a, be specific about what is criminal about cop behavior that violates the rights of black people.
2: You know, you know, Mustafa. Every time we do one of these stories, and you, and, and again, when you have these cops who are lying uh, on these reports. Uh, this this happened in La Mesa. And, and yeah, I thank goodness La, La Mesa fired him saying and it's like, dude, you lied on the police report.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, any uh, police chief who who's worth anything, you know, he's, he's going to get rid of these types of folks. Now, we know it doesn't happen everywhere, but there are some <laughs> who are holding folks accountable. Um, you know, the problem is when we go toward these criminal uh, criminal situations that are going on. Uh, that things don't turn out the way that we normally would assume that they would. So the other part of it, uh, and again, the brothers who are on the panel with me, they're practicing attorneys. I am not. You know, the other part of it is the civil suit, which I hope comes to be. And and I hope that folks continue to utilize that as one of the tools in in trying to make sure that justice or some form of justice actually plays out.
2: Uh, Look, I mean, it just uh, I I keep saying line that report. You should automatically get the boot. All right, y'all, let's talk about uh, this um, uh, This other lawsuit. Google's under investigation of the California Department of Fair Employment and the Housing for racist and sexist treatment towards black female workers. The civil rights agency is interviewing several black women workers and reviewing emails that may have discriminatory and harassing content. Uh, this is not the first time the tech giant has been under the fire for the mistreatment of black workers, a leading artificial intelligence researcher claiming she was fired in these last december over an email she sent uh in march a group of google employees claimed when they reported racism and sexism they were told to take a mental health leave and so we'll let you know what happens with that uh california department of fair employment and housing uh investigation a group of haitian immigrants they're suing the Biden administration over its horrid treatment of migrants at a makeshift camp in del rio texas monday's lawsuit provides first-hand accounts for migrants who had been in the encampment and had been confronted by Border Patrol in September, one account includes testimony from one plaintiff who says she was terrorized by officers on horseback. Over 11 migrants have testified to the treatment they endured earlier this year. Now, um, you know, and this is real interesting because, you know, um, when the Biden administration uh, announced that they were uh, negotiating with the ACLU over a lawsuit that was filed by a uh, by, uh, Mexican uh, uh migrants, but it was sure a lot of folks who were all upset and how dare they, but will those same black folks say anything and defend these Haitian migrants uh, and them wanting to sue the federal government? What you think, Mustafa?
1: I think the answer is no. I think that when it comes to Haitian brothers and sisters, we have always seen that folks have not aligned themselves in the same way that they have for others. And there's nothing wrong with folks supporting others who are dealing with these injustice situations. Um, but you know we got to take care of home and our haitian brothers and sisters have been all these natural disasters and a number of other things that um have have placed them in some very precarious situations so it's time for folks to step up
2: uh xavier
6: i mean we the haitian community the, the the people of haiti have been isolated by the international community since they declared their own independence and, and from the world, and they have been economically strapped. And we've used the this whole rationale of them not seeking political asylum based on the way they sit, they're situated in the world. Um, and it's time for us to be able to recognize our brothers and sisters that are coming there, to, and our country needs to be able to give more resources to that place to be able to make sure that, that country is being economically viable. Number one. Number two, we have to be able to stand up for our own. We have... We are our interests are aligned across the diaspora and against things that be able to isolate them from the rest of us. And so we have to put our attention on that. It wasn't just something that was the trend on social media and be gone for a day. These people are still dealing with these issues that they are still ongoing. and We have to put the attention on it. And Roland, you're doing a great job. of continuing to put the issue on the uh, spotlight on tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I mean I echo what
4: the brothers say. I also want to say the brother Mustafa is looking so clean with the hat, the turtleneck, Now I gotta step my <laughs> game up
2: when I come over with him next. Why time. why first of all, why are you shocked? He's an alpha. <laughs> I'm
4: not shocked. I'm not shocked. I give it up to Al, I didn't like that shirt you had, you know.
2: Of course, funny. of course. Yeah. You know, you know <laughs> that, that that that's what y'all gotta do.
4: <laughs> but you know, I, I echo what my the panelists has already stated. We know the history of Haiti. It, me, it should mean so much to us that these people were able to defeat the three powerfulest armies in the world at the time and create their independence and then they were specifically crushed on the economic level too as a retaliation of that here's the thing from a legal standpoint uh what i do every single day when you come to this country you should have an opportunity to prove if you should be here or not that's just that's just the standard for anybody that comes here illegal and uh, uh, otherwise they didn't get that opportunity and they were treated as a uh, channel slavery we saw all the pictures of the people with the horses and looking like they were hitting them from the horses so i hope they get opportunity to go through the legal process i hope they have some fantastic attorneys i'm sure they do and i hope they get just compensation for what happened to them.
2: gotta ask y'all this here uh former chicago mayor rami manuel was confirmed to be the next ambassador Uh, to the United States uh, for Japan. There was a 48-21 roll call vote. Just three Democrats, uh, Senators Elizabeth Warren, Ed Markey, and Jeff Merkley voted against him. Does Ronald Emanuel deserve to be representing the United States uh, in Japan, uh, Xavier?
6: Now you know, Roland, I'm from from Chicago and he was the mayor here in Chicago and he wasn't able to run for mayor again because the city was going to run him out of here because he held. And covered up the the murder of Laquan McDonald by Jason Van Dyke for thirteen months, and someone who does that, who's who, I know that they, they ship him out the country, but it doesn't make a difference. You've disqualified yourself from from being in a position. And why? Why? And they did it in the middle of the night, Roland. When no one was paying attention, and this happened, and you had to be able to his connections, his political standing. If it was so great. Why would you have to do this in the middle of the night?
2: Demario? Mario.
4: No, I think he's an accessory to murder after the fact. I mean, no question. Holding that video, which was horrendous, and we all saw it, and for him to be actually um, rewarded with such a wonderful ambassadorship. I mean, going to Japan is one of the best places in the world to go and be an ambassador. I'm really disappointed. I'm a fan of Senator Booker. Senator Warnoff. I was really disappointed that they voted yes uh, to, to move him through because this this is a person, Senator Booker, who was on the forefront of trying to get the George Floyd Policing Act uh, pushed through. How could he vote for someone who was the antithesis of the George Floyd Policing Act? This guy was actually literally covering up the murder of uh, Laquan McDonald. And I'm just really disappointed to see that they voted for him. Still a fan of Senator Booker, but definitely disappointed in that particular vote
2: all right folks hold tight one second we come back our marketplace segment uh where we talk with a black restaurant owner uh uh, how uh to uh, continue thriving amidst uh the craziness of this international COVID pandemic you're watching roland martin unfiltered on the black star network don't forget y'all download the app the black star network app uh courses on all the platforms apple phone android phone apple tv android tv roku samsung fire stick xbox uh, all of those, our goal is to get 50,000 downloads by the end of this month. And so uh, tell a friend, download that app, please. In addition, please support us in what we do by joining our Breed and Funk Fan Club, where every dollar you give goes to support this show. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at RolandSMartin.com. Rolling at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, y'all. I'll be back in a moment.
1: some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it i don't think so verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one you break it we upgrade it you dunk it doggy bone it (laughs) slam it wham it strawberry jam it we upgrade it get a 5g phone on us with select plans every customer current new or business because everyone deserves better and with plans starting at just 35 dollars better costs less than you think
2: Folks,
8: Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punches. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now.
4: <laughs> Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told.
2: I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. Hey, I love
4: y'all. All momentum
0: we have now.
9: My name is Charlie Wilson.
8: Hi, I'm Sally Richardson Whitfield. And I'm Dodger Whitfield. Hey, everybody. This is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Whitley. yo what's up this your boy ice cube hey yo peace world what's going on it's the love king of rb raheem devon and you're watching roller martin unfiltered
1: how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it i don't think so verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one you break it we upgrade it you dunk it doggy bone it <laughs> slam it wham it strawberry jam it we upgrade it get a 5g phone on us with select plans every customer current new or business because everyone deserves better and with plans starting at just 35 dollars, better cost less than you think
2: All right, folks, uh, with the on again, off again, mask mandates, people, should they go in indoor restaurants, sit outside? What do they do? Man, it makes for a real difficult for a lot of industries, but especially our restaurant industries. Uh, they've been having one hell of a time since COVID hit uh, last year. Uh, joining me now is Marcus Davis. He's the founder of The Breakfast Club uh, in Houston. Uh, and so many different restaurants have been um, struggling. Some, a lot have gone out of business. Uh, Many of them have been shuttering leases Uh, and so Marcus Let's talk. Let's talk about this Uh, How you had to constantly deal with just the ebb and flow and the up-and-down mass no mass Can you be open limiting spacing all the stuff is all the problems that COVID has given restaurants?
9: You know uh, one of the things you have to know as an entrepreneur is that uh, my Papa used to say if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready and I know it's hard to uh to deal with COVID, but you have to understand that at any moment anything can change and the mindset that i've had since uh january of 2020 even as deep as uh, uh december of 2019 uh-huh which is something's about to happen, something very well could happen in our city, in our state, in our nation, and you've gotta be ready for it. And you roll out, what I share with entrepreneurs, you roll out things as far left as possible and as far right as possible, each scenario, each way, and try and prepare yourself uh, accordingly. So in short, to answer your question, um, just thinking about what the potential are, not being deceived uh, by uh, you know the, the the days where things look like the, it's it's changing, but being prepared for what may happen tomorrow, even though I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing today.
2: Um I, I'll give an examples and show you know the the, the uh, mask mandate is now being placed uh, is back in place in here in uh D.C. But not only that, in Illinois, they are now requiring everybody to yeah. be vaccinated even come into restaurants and bars and indoor places. We're seeing it in New York City, uh, and so now. Now we're now we're moving towards that. Uh, you know, how is it for you there in Houston? And, 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 and how are you managing that? You got some folks who are acting a fool, losing their mind, cussing out restaurants, saying, how dare you ask folks for vaccination cards? But then you got others who are saying, hell, I want to be safe. But I want to go out and eat.
9: So, you know, it, it you have to consider what's at stake. And uh, you, I know there are a lot of folks talking about liberty and about life, but those are the things that are actually at stake. Uh, your very life is at stake. So your loved one's life is at stake. Uh, your liberty, you you have no liberty uh, if you are no longer in the land of, of, of the living. So you have to keep that, that, that in mind as an entrepreneur. Again, I just pay attention to what What's happening in the marketplace? I pay attention to what uh, what our customers need. I pay attention to what my staff needs, and I try to op- operate uh, uh, accordingly. I, and that's not to say that it's not it's not challenging. That's not to say that it's not tough. That's not to say that 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 it's easy. Uh, you ask what's it like? It's it's like deja vu. Um, I am feeling today as I felt uh, in March uh, of 2020 when they first uh said that the nba would not play a basketball game and i knew then that oh it, this thing is as real as i thought it could get and so today i'm thinking and i've been i've been making this case for a long time uh, roland because people have been under the impression uh i you know i have a couple of businesses here i have you know a couple of restaurants a bar and and another uh concept and I, two of them I- i've yet to reopen and we've yet to reopen it because I had not felt, particularly my bar, uh, I haven't reopened it particularly simply because I had not felt that it was time. Yeah, other bars are open and other people, people are going out to them. But uh, in the space that I run, I didn't want to be in that space uh, you know, with, with the virus being the way that it was. So uh, how do I feel? I feel like we're back in March 20. It's not, I can't say that it's that severe, but the uncertainty and the way the entrepreneur has to stay on his tiptoes and keep his head on the swivel is back to the, that date.
2: Uh, questions for my panel. I'll start with you, Xavier.
6: Right, stop. And how are you dealing with employees and morale and, uh, maybe some of the other legal issues that you face in terms of running your business?
9: So uh, unfortunately, I only caught the second half of what you said, but I think I, I, I get the gist. You know, with my with my team members, I'll start there with my employees. It's just by sharing, communicating uh, with them that, that we're all in this boat together. And that's been the analogy that I've used from, from the start is that I am the captain of this ship trying to steer this ship through these COVID waters and reminding my team that we're all in this ship together and we're gonna make it to the shores together. We just have to. Everybody has to pick up their oar and they have to row in order for it to happen. And that means that we gotta work a little harder, dig a little deeper, roll up our sleeves a little higher, uh, roll up our pants leg a little higher, lace our boots a little tighter. And that's what we have to do as a team. Your, 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 your a uh, metal as a leader is definitely tested during during these times and I'm grateful that I have a team uh, as strong as as I do and I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to um, to to stand up and, and and be the captain of the ship to get us uh through those times but I I'll share this with you you know uh we, we, this fall mate uh makes uh, uh 20 years in business and one thing I can honestly say is that the other 19 years uh, of being an entrepreneur helped pave the way for the moment that we're in now. You gotta remember, I live, I'm I'm in that dirty south, baby. I'm in that third coast, so I've been through everything from Hurricane Ike uh, to Hurricane Harvey uh, to mm-hmm. Tropical mm-hmm. Storm Allison, and then you, all the stuff along the way from the Enron debacle to uh, the the 2008 crash. So as an entrepreneur, I made sure that I learned from each and every moment uh, that we had in our in the life of our business and use that as a way to prepare for the next one. You mentioned legal, you mentioned a couple other things. I, I, After Hurricane Harvey, I gave speeches about the importance of making sure your books were in order, making sure that your CPA is on point, making sure that your legal counsel, your legal representation is on point and making sure that your insurance uh, is, is up to par because you know, those weren't things that I was taught in the early days of business. I learned them along the way and I'm fortunate that I learned those lessons.
4: Hey, I'll jump in if there's nobody want to talk. Come, go, on, come go, on, jump right in, baby. Jump in. <laughs> I thought <I, I>, <laughs> you pass a
6: collection plate for me. I'll jump right
4: in. Hey, man, good to talk to you. Heard about your restaurant. I got two questions. One, you know, as far as my business and with my teams, we've been able to just work all remotely. We're still all working remotely. Obviously, you cannot do that as a restaurant. You know, how are you keeping your team safe uh, from when you have these individuals that want to come to your restaurant and they don't want to, you know, do what's necessary to be safe. So how are you keeping your team safe? And are you dealing with any legal issues with that? If you're requiring your team to have vaccinations, et cetera. That's my first question. My second question, as a proud, black, bald-headed former football player, vegan, (laughs) want to know when the vegan items are coming on that that, that menu so I can- Never, never, (laughs) never. Don't talk. To, see, roll, roll it. Don't, 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 don't let him influence you, man. I mean, Never. I understand where y'all coming from,
2: but come on. I I've been to the Breakfast Club. I, Never. I, I'm, I'm talking to
4: the entrepreneur. This is your show, but it's his restaurant. Never.
9: <laughs> All right. Let me answer your first question. How am I keeping my team safe uh, by 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 being by being who I am by being a taskmaster? You know, I walk around and I you know we we we. We, you know, we put the rules in place, the regulations in place, the protocols in place. Uh, and, you know, and I let my team know that, hey, this is for all of our safety. I've got some folks who are been with me for a number of years. I've got some 10 year plus uh, team members that are uh, I've got some team members that are 70 and, and, and above. I've got some team members that have had uh, pre pre or still have pre-existing conditions and I share that if we're going to operate as a team then we have to operate as a team we have to look out of, out for each other's best interests and that means one we protect each other with our mask on and it also means that two we make sure that the guests or operating the way we ask for them uh, to operate, and being a family-friendly restaurant where it's a whole lot of hugging and laughing and touching and all that kind of good stuff, it gets a little hard. And I've had to, you know, remind some of the team members, "Hey, we got to make sure that we stay safe because we got to be here tomorrow for these same people." And you know, and and it's worked. The question about vaccination, we found out how we could get all of the things that our team needed—from from masks to vaccination to uh, to tests. We found out how we can get those things, make them available for our team, and we did just that. And fortunately, we were able to get uh, the majority, the lion's share of our team uh, to to participate. We didn't mandate it in, in inside of the the, the store. Uh, we asked for cooperation, and for the most part, uh, we got cooperation. Now, with regard to uh, the, the 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 vegan question, um, never. I think I froze. Yeah, you did freeze. I think, I was, that was my impersonation of me, of my screams freezing. Never. <laughs> well,
4: you know, when people freeze, they don't look so nice. You was looking so nice. I was like, what the fuck going <laughs> <you> on? <don't
2: look?" laughs> I tried to tell you.
4: Hey, I got to, I mean, Xavier's a vegan also. I've been a vegetarian for over 25 years. Vegan. So I,
9: so I was going to ask you, are you vegetarian or are you vegan?
4: I'm vegan. I've been vegan for five years. Oh, okay, got for it. Got 25 it. Yeah. years. So I had, to, yeah. I had to ask, you know, it's a great restaurant. I want to support yeah. black-owned businesses, but I had to ask.
9: I, no, I, 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 well, I, I got to tell you, 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 you had five years before, I mean, you had 15 years before you went vegan. I'm just saying, I'm just, i just, just,
2: trust me, trust me. The lies are down around the block for the breakfast club. They ain't missing, they they, they ain't missing your money.
4: Well, see, that's the thing. Now that I know the brother, maybe I can get a in a line. You know, I don't want
2: to be Hell fine. no. Listen, and
9: let me let me just make sure we're clear on this. Right. I have a, I have I have two vegan restaurants here in Houston that that I visit on a regular basis. Right. That I eat at. Love the food. Absolutely. Positively love the food. And I want to let them do that thing. Right. And I, I go there and support them. And if somebody wants some direction on where to go to get a vegan breakfast, I'll send them uh, that way. I might even tell them to bring me something back so I can have it on, 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 on my lunch break. And, and originally it came because of space, right? Because I value what, 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 what veganism is supposed to be about. And I'm not one of these guys that's going to put something on the menu if i can't do it the way it's supposed to be done i ain't sure i'm not gonna cook your now we do have a uh uh you know a, a di- i'm not gonna cook your tofu uh hash uh on the grill where i just got the bacon off of him because we don't have the capacity the space to do that then we just keep it we just keep it you know we just keep the
2: bacon on that <laughs> plus ain't nobody buying that damn tofu uh mustafa go ahead but
9: and and and, and i and i'm waiting I, I am. i'll be honest with you i've been in this game uh two decades and i'm waiting I'm waiting to see how long it lasts because just and this is respectfully right. Don't, I don't want nobody blowing me up. I've seen everything from the South Beach to Atkins to and, and every two, three years over the last 20 years. Someone has said you need to add this to your menu. And then the next two years, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that no more. So, but this one seems to be a little bit more uh, sustained. Well,
4: so, that's never going to be bacon. Now,
9: I mean, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I'm gonna be. Hey, I'm gonna keep it real. woman, keep it real. I'm gonna keep it real. In our first couple of years of business, people asked me, "Man, when you to get something, something light on there, something heart healthy?" So, I think around our five year anniversary, we created this heart healthy. Menu, right? It had the egg whites, it had the fruit bowl, it had the grilled fish instead of the fried, you know, all of the stuff that the wheat toast with no butter, the grits with no butter. We had all that stuff, man. We made that menu, did a whole big PR campaign about it. That menu you still sitting behind my uh cash, christian dusty as hell. And 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 the one brother that kept asking me where was I go when was I gonna put it on the menu he walked in the store I said look what I did just for you he ordered exactly what was on there by the time I got to his table he had extra cheese and extra butter on everything
2: sustained Mustafa
9: <laughs> brother thank you for that
1: was being a great spirit uh, and their bodies at the same time. Uh, My grandmother used to say that in challenging situations, everyone needs a North Star. (laughs) I'm curious, the the Breakfast Club. uh, Yes, sir. What what makes the Breakfast Club special? What makes it a North Star, especially in this moment? Uh,
9: The people. The people is what makes it special. And I try and make everybody aware of that and remind them of that uh, every day. Uh, and when I say the people, uh, you know, people say, man, I'm glad y'all were able to stay open this long. I'm glad y'all were able to stay open during the pandemic. I'm glad y'all were able to be here for 20 years. And I tell them that I'm appreciative of you allowing, causing, empowering us in order for that to happen. Uh, when I say the people, I'm talking about my team. Miss Jackie's been with me for over a decade. Miss Mary's been with me for over a decade. Miss Gail's been with me for over a decade. Christian's been <laughs> with me I mean, these are folks, you know, that, that, that have helped make TBK what it is today. So when I say the people, you know, it, it is, it is true to the people. Now, if you want my, what I believe, what I share with entrepreneurs, inspiring entrepreneurs about formulas to success and, and, and what I, what I hold uh, us accountable for and the standard that I hold us to that, that, that has led to this success. It is this simple thing, quality product, quality service all the time. That's our North Star. We believe in giving a quality product, delivering a quality product through the hands of great people and doing that as consistently as we possibly can. And I I challenge any entrepreneur, if you do those things, uh, I challenge you to show me your lack of success in whatever industry uh, there is, unless you're cussing folks out. But then that ain't great service. But, you know, what I'm saying those are the things that I believe have, have made the difference in the life of TVK.
2: All right. Look. Well, I can't, I can't wait. I was, I was, I can't wait to get back to Houston, uh, to have some uh pancakes, grits, hard scrambled eggs, uh, and bacon. I don't give a damn what the Mario thinks.
9: <laughs> <laughs> can't There's wait no to boy. have you back, brother. No and Demar. and and, and
2: DeMario, uh, I don't wait in line. Hey,
9: I, the look, is that a, what cowboy is that in your window up there? What, what uh,
2: is that? He, he's a he. first of all, he's an OU fan, and he's a he's a sorry okay. Dallas Cowboys fan. So first I used more- to. I used to have that
9: when people. Let me ask you a question correctly, right? Uh When get a ring again, man. <laughs> you, to, y'all no, ain't got a ring. Wait, in, wait in, a in,
4: now you're not talking in, down there in Houston when y'all ain't want anything. To take hey, hey, look, when you I was
9: when I was, fan, league, when I was a fan when I was a fan of football when I was a fan of uh, the NFL, uh, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers, baby. Holler at me when you get that extra ring, right? Oh. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> only two teams in the league with six rings. Only two. <laughs> hey, but let's
4: just this. Rolling <laughs> say this. Roland said, I'm a football OU fan, OU former player. He's an AM guy. Same thing. Whooped them all the time. Like we're still whooping them. <laughs> and the
2: Dallas Cowboys are doing pretty good this year. And I got I hold up. Last time AM played OU, who won?
9: Oh yeah, it was, it, it, it was AM. In
4: 2012. Okay. Y'all won. Y'all won in 20. No, 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 Who won? twenty. Who won? Y'all won
2: the last time. Oh, okay. Only, I mean, that's not going count. I'm trying to figure out what your protest is.
9: <laughs>
2: man, man, you better go eat some bacon. Never won a championship. <laughs> hey, the
9: cowboys are doing well. They are doing well. And I, I believe this might be the year. They won't. In 25 years, it won't. No, just statistically, statistically, it may be the year. I mean, come on, brother. They they've sucked for 25 years. This it may won't. be the year. Work. I got my shirt in they, the closet. I'm, don't I'm, work. I'm gonna They're <laughs> the gonna God suck. they gonna suck 26
2: years. years. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen.
9: I, I can't know. I can't say that. They win one playoff game every eight I'm, years. On I'm average. gonna tell it you right now,
2: it ain't gonna happen. Demario, uh, go go eat a chicken sandwich. All right, that's <laughs> it, y'all. I got the bounce. Uh, Marcus Davis, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for being part of our marketplace you, segment. Uh, brought, brought to you by Verizon. Thanks so much. Uh, Xavier, uh, Mustafa, uh, my alpha brother, and of course, we tolerate them at Omega uh, from Oklahoma on the show. Uh, and so we, we feel sorry for them as always. So, uh, that's it. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thanks a lot, folks. Don't forget, download the Black Star Network app, please. Uh, all platforms Apple, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Samsung. Xbox all uh, all of the platforms and of course please join our Brina funk fan club every dollar you get goes to support this show and you know how to do that cash app Dallas I, RM unfiltered PayPals are Martin unfiltered Venmos RM unfiltered Zell is rolling at rolling at martin.com rolling at martin unfiltered.com I am getting better uh yes I'm still in quarantine I'll be in quarantine at the minimum until Saturday uh, and so uh, I'm improving so still got a little stuff in, this in my nose. Uh, still, an occasional cough, uh, but getting stronger every single day. Cannot wait to have this COVID crap out of my body, uh, to be full to be back at full strength. Uh, we're also, of course, uh, we'll be back in studio in January because we've had a, a one of my other staffers has COVID as well, and so actually, actually, three people, uh, in addition to me have it as well. Uh, so uh, we're doing our part, y'all. Stay safe, please. A double mask, wash your hands, safe distance. Also, utilize your Parel, as well. Uh, we don't look. I, I've gotten way too many text messages from frat brothers from NABJ members. Stephen A. Smith said today he announced he test, tested positive for COVID. It's way too many people, uh, who are tested positive. It's a major outbreak. Y'all be safe if you're gonna go home for things for, for Christmas. Please protect yourself, protect your family, especially uh, our seasoned saints. Okay, so please do that. Uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Holla. The end of the end